This is unstructured. Today we have Dana Ferrant. Now, Dana has a rather unique past, a unique story, and a unique business, which is always cool because if you want to go anywhere, you essentially have to differentiate yourself, and polarization is a very effective tool for doing this. Now, Dana runs the inner dominatrix. No, don't cover the kid's ears. We're not going to get anybody in trouble. I promise. Dana's on good behavior today. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, I promise to keep it in check and be very well behaved. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the show now. Oh, my pleasure. Okay, now, everybody I know wants to know, what does being a dominatrix have to do with running a business? <laughs> I know it seems kind of crazy on the outside. So, you know, on the outside, it seems like two worlds that would have nothing to do with each other. But what it actually is, when we start looking at the inner dominatrix, because I talk about the energy of the dominatrix, when we tar- start looking at that, we start looking at, you know, the dominatrix as more of an archetype and she holds this incredible presence right? Which is that level of expertise that you need to show up as in your business. She holds a confidence. It's this quiet confidence, which again, anywhere that you go, you're on sales calls, you're networking, anything that you do, you want to have that confidence in business. There's also a piece of knowing how to negotiate. And of course, in business, it's all about negotiations. It's all about being able to ask for what you want and find a way to get it. And then the piece that I find that a lot of people don't think about is that it's actually a high-level service position. And so on the outside, it looks like the dominatrix is the one in control and it's all about her. It's all about what she wants to do. But what has gone on behind the scenes that you don't see is that everything's been negotiated. Everything's been discussed on what's okay, what's not okay. And she's crafting a scene so that the submissive, the other person in the dungeon, is able to experience a transformation or a breakthrough so that it's all about them. And same thing in business. We need to be very client focused. What are we providing? What's our value? What, you know, what are we giving to them? And when we're standing in that expertise and being of high level service and, you know, negotiating the way we need to, our business can flourish. Okay. Now, do you focus more on women in general to find their inner dominatrix or is it? I I do tend to target, um, you know, my marketing things to women because I find, unfortunately, a lot of men, the minute you say the word dominatrix, all the blood leaves the brain and they don't necessarily hear the rest of what I'm saying. So, <laughs> Wonder uh, why. I can't imagine why. I don't know. Mistress. I don't get it. Huh. Um, so I do tend to speak to women in groups. I, I, I target, like I said, but I do have a lot of male clients as well who get the platform and, and love what I'm doing. You just keep them in line. I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now is, is one of the attractions to your business and I, well, I'm going to make generalizations. They're not meant to be oh, threatening. Okay. It's just general things that we find that women tend to be poor at negotiating for themselves because they Absolutely. don't appreciate, appreciate the conflict. Yeah. Uh, women are more um, socialized and conditioned to be peacemakers. And um, sorry, distracted by your cat there. It's so adorable. 
<laughs> I love cats. Um, so, you know, women typically are, are socialized to not engage in conflict, not confront. Whereas, you know, more men are conditioned to the opposite, to that it's okay to confront. It's okay to stand up for yourself. It's okay to be, you know, be a man, stand up for yourself, right? Now, there are exceptions on both sides, and that's, sure. but that's also part of why I like targeting women. Well, I shouldn't say targeting, but like gearing it to women it sounds awful. Well, I mean, you are a business and you have to hit a market and have a customer. So yeah. we, in essence, are targeting. We may choose different terms, but what are we doing? It is. Now, your path to become a dominatrix, you have um, quite a past. I understand you grew up in odd circumstance. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a cult. Um, I, I, you know, reference it as that. So I grew up Jehovah witness and my father was a very intense, um, he was an elder and he was, he did everything to the nth degree. So within our household, it really was a very structured system. Um, and it was, it was very much like a cult. There was, everything else was ostracized. We weren't allowed to associate outside of the religion, all those kinds of things. And, And, uh, every (laughs) Let me see. Uh, Jehovah's Witness. So that means that Friday night through Saturday was Sabbath. No, so that's were, Jewish. Uh, um, no, um, it's also Seventh-day Adventist. And I thought Jehovah. Okay. You, yeah, not Jehovah's Witness. <clears throat> no, no Jehovah's okay. Witness. Our, our, our big thing was that um, <laughs> we got to go to church five days a week and, uh, and door knocking one day a week. So you have a lot of intense indoctrination day in, day out. And then, like I said, you're... You're not allowed. <clears throat> sorry, you're not allowed to socialize with anybody that's not in the cult, mm-hmm. not in those circles, and because of that, you don't form any kind of social network if you ever want to leave. So you're left at this space where it's not okay to leave. There's no safety out there. Sure, and, sure. And then you're shunned if you left. So when I when I left home, um, my family completely disowned me. Like that was it. They just have you. Me. Have you talked to them since? No. No, that's a shame. It's it, one interesting parallel, a um, couple of them. One, I grew up in a church that's very similar um, for a while. Not initially, then my mom changed religions and I got in, pulled into it, not by choice. And then later left, whatever. I wasn't into it. But it was a worldwide church of God, pretty cultish. Robert W. Armstrong. Yeah. Um, there's question about incest. Don't want to go into that. Um, an earlier guest, Jocelyn Stone, who does fetish and porn, was a Seventh-day Adventist growing up. Wow. And she does scenes as well. That She goes to the you know full-blown adult side, if you will, and does cross over into porn. But she was quick to point out that fetish and porn are, are different. They are. And that um, fetish is not sex. Doesn't, it not necessarily. Um, technically, I mean, everybody's got their own little definitions on it. But my understanding of the word fetish in the, in the purest sense of it, a fetish is something that you, um, it needs to be part of your sexual experience in order for you to get off. So that's that's a true fetish. Most people use fetish in the term of it's something that they are, so fixated on that they can't stop thinking about it. It's more like an obsession. That's how most people use the word fetish. Um, but tip, like the 
the true version of it is that you wouldn't be able to have an orgasm without that element present. Okay. Um, I, I guess maybe the way she is meaning is it's there's not actual intercourse or that it may or may not again like it's it's um yeah like a lot of time fetishes like we talk about like foot fetish that's a it's a nice tame one <laughs> right <laughs> there are people who are very fixated on feet and shoes and for them that is that is the experience just having that foot experience is the fetish okay so. now you've used the term kink quite a bit that is um a spinoff of fetish right or a variant variant okay so <laughs> there's so many terms oh my goodness uh fetish is kind of like you know one of the umbrella terms if we talk about okay bdsm which is you know that's kind of like the bigger umbrella so um bondage domination submission masochistic you know all of those kinds of that big umbrella inside mm -hmm. of that there are people who have fetishes they may not be into you know bondage domination whatnot but really kink is kind of this bigger broader term anything outside of the um straight up missionary position standard okay. you know basic what we call vanilla sex so the you know just it's plain jane if it's outside of the plain jane then it falls into the kink category so okay, there's cool. a wide range wide range okay that's fair now on your path to being a dominatrix, I believe you were doing massage therapy or how did you? I was. Yeah. So we kind of got sidetracked on a little story here. So, <laughs> so I grew oh, up. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Like I got, I, so I grew up in the cult and, you know, like with a lot of cults, there's a lot of sexual abuse that goes on inside of that, that it's just gets perpetrated. And so that was part of my path. And when I left home, I went on this mission. I just, I really wanted to heal. I really wanted to figure out, you know, what is it, you know, and I went through a traditional counseling and explored courses and self-improvement and, and I was constantly doing different things. And, and I did train to become a massage therapist. And so one day I had a client come in and she disclosed to me that she was involved in kink because obviously I needed to know if there were marks and bruises. We needed to be able to discuss this openly. <laughs> so that just tweaked something for me. I'm like, hmm. And so every time she came in, I, I'd ask her some more questions and I'd keep peppering her with. And, you know, we just had an open discussion and it could have been, we could have been discussing fine wine, but there we are <laughs> talking about kink, <laughs> right? And we're just having this wonderful intellectual conversation about it and it kept drawing me in. So um, I will admit it did take me nine years before I finally jumped in. But what I did, what I found was that I had some amazing partners who were able to take me through a scene where we reenacted to some degree the the abuse that I went through. But okay. because we're scripting it, we also scripted a different outcome. And Is this that, similar to um, the therapy that they have, uh, Vietnam vets, things like that, or wartime veterans to kind of uh, exposure therapy? Um, yes and no. It's it, it can be a bit of that. It's not... It's a bit different. I mean, we're, we're crafting out a scene. It's not necessarily, you know, just for like, let's heal, but it's also like, let's, let's get this untangled. But in, in having a different outcome and having that intensity of a situation where somebody really cares about you, but is willing to push you to the end, 
you, what, what happened to me anyway, was that I was able to actually unlock my body from the trauma. And, and I remember after that first scene, I was looking out over, actually over the top of Toronto. I was, you know, a high, like 34 stories up and I'm looking out and it's drizzly rain and it, you know, it's like just kind of gray and, and drab everywhere. But I was like, wow, isn't that pretty? And then I thought, oh my God, I've never had that thought before. And I realized that I had actually always been depressed and I didn't even realize it. So you actually weren't seeing beauty before that point? No. Everything was just kind of like blah, you know, just like I was just, I was just functioning. I was, you know, I was was doing okay. I had a job. I had had a business. I had a husband, you know, I was going along, but I was flatlined. So was it like eating the same meal seven days a week type of thing? Kind of like emotionally just flatlined. But, you know, if you've been flatlined for that long, you don't realize it until it lifts. And then Hmm. having that lift, it was like, wow, okay, we need to discover more of this. So long story, getting longer. (laughs) That (laughs) transformation was the, the turning point where I wanted to do that for other people. I wanted to take other people on that journey. So I went in search of people that would teach me the craft and to actually take people through the same kind of process that I had. Okay. So you started out submissive and then you um, switched into dominatrix. Now, are you a switch? I'm neither at this point. Um, I was a switch for a while and then it was mostly dominatrix. Um, Yeah. I just, I keep changing. My life evolves every five years. (laughs) Well, doesn't everyone's? Yeah. Hopefully. Mine's a little bit dramatic, you know. <laughs> well, and that's one question too. When you um, suddenly get your eyes opened up and you see beauty or whatever, mm-hmm. that tends to potentially wreak havoc on the rest of your life. You cut if out you, there a little bit. And that tends to wreak havoc on the rest of your life quite often. Like if you suddenly see that you were treading water or just going along, and all of a sudden you see something different. Did you suddenly look at your life and have abrupt changes or everything was fine? Um, actually, the abrupt changes happened before. So I think I knew what was coming possibly on an unconscious level. So right before I got involved with the kink, I had actually separated um, from a relationship that just wasn't working. My business was crashing down. <laughs> and, and you know, there were there were like things, everything crumbling down around me. So I think that maybe was the precipice to to push into going exploring the king. Cause I'm like, all right, everything's, everything's crazy. So let's, let's try something that just for me, cause I've been okay, wanting so to try it. That makes sense. So it was kind of a bottom. It was a bottom. Yeah. And this was coming back out of it. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now I understand you then left the kink world. Yes. So 2012, so I've been in it from like 2006 to 2012. And 2012, I was starting to get these little niggles. You know, you get the nudges where it's like, it's time to change. It's time to move on. And I was starting to get those and I was ignoring it. So the universe uh, provided me an extra little nudge. And the community that I was involved in, and you know, it's it's a fairly small community. So what was happening was that they all started spreading rumors and talking behind my back. And so I'd go to events and there'd be this going on 
And every, you know, it was just, it was just annoyed me that there were things being said about me that were completely untrue. Um, nobody would come up and say, Hey, I heard this about you. Is this true? They just continued to spread the rumors. And so I said, well, piss on y'all. I'm packing up my whips and going home. Forget it. <laughs> was this co- a conflict with one person that uh, spread? The- no, I mean, well- it was a number of people. There was, there was about 20 good 20 people, you know, in this little circle that were really stirring the pot. And then it filtered out from there. Um, definitely wasn't everybody, but it was just, just like, it's just too many times that when you show up and it's just uncomfortable. And I thought, I don't need this. I was already starting to feel like I was growing beyond it at that point right. that, you know, when they start doing that, I'm like, you know what, y'all are childish and I'm going, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, I don't need this. I kind of so, wonder if you're growing beyond it is what spurred it on people, if you kind of started to feel like, and I don't want to be rude, but the sense of I'm growing out of it in a sense, then they may have picked up a vibe or something. And a lot of people are very damaged. Absolutely. They may have been like, Oh, she thinks she's better than us. Oh, she's look. And then they pushed. It's just a theory. I don't know. No, it's a very, it's a very good theory. Cause I, I would say I get a lot of that from people. It's, um, I understand and it can still be frustrating. So people will push back because I'm such a strong person, you know, energetically, I'm, I'm a strong person in how I show up. I'm not offensive. You get to know me. I'm, I'm really a pussycat. Like I'm a very nice person, huge heart, but on the outside, because I have this kind of a bit of a larger than life presence for some people who have, who are not willing to step in their, in their power. So the people who aren't willing to really like show up and be bold are completely mm. triggered by me. And those are the ones that will talk trash behind my back and, you know, say things. So I would definitely agree with you that there's a, a number of those people that were, you know, spreading the rumors that just need to work on their own stuff. It's unlikely they will, but <laughs> I, I'll hold out hope for them. <laughs> So now you moved on and I believe you went through some serious business crises um, I, right around this point. I'm not sure. Um, maybe you can go into it. You were running a, a massage um, wholesaler or store or something like that. Yeah. So I had a, a massage supply outlet and a couple of massage clinics and um, we were doing, you know, good seven figures in that. And because I had kind of gotten so distracted with the kink and I had left the business to my manager to run hmm. and not managing it, and I can see that in hindsight, but in that we ended up with some situations. So we had great you know, sales coming in, but then we had a lot of problems going out hmm. and we, we ended up having to restructure. So I laid everybody off. Um, went down to just me working like crazy hours. Oh my God. <laughs> it was like nonstop for, for the first four months getting everything turned around. But in doing that, what I started to notice was that, okay, what was missing was this piece of the energy of who I became and what I had to stand in to become that dominatrix that mm-hmm. that really needed to show up in my business. So I actually started playing around with it intentionally. I would I, bring more of that energy in, play with it during sales and 
you know, sales would go up. I could upsell anybody into anything. I could, you know, draw in suppliers to get them to do things for me. They were just like, yeah, what else do you need? Right. And then when I would let that energy drop, sales would drop. So, okay. Can you, can you get specific on that? Like, um, what is a good example of something you did to manipulate a sale up or down or something you might do? Yeah. In a negotiation? So it's a, can, can we uh, break this up into a couple more sessions? <laughs> I think we need a couple more shows. Um, but just, the, you know, the high level of it is that it is one, I got into a space of being really playful with people. So mm-hmm. in doing that, I was willing, I, I had no attachment to whether they bought or not. I was willing to not have them buy anything. And then I got really playful with it. And I was also willing to step in a little bit in that owning the expertise. So when they're talking about something that's going on in their business, they're having a challenge with something, then I would present them with a product or a solution or something that would work for them. And I would hold that space of quiet confidence of knowing, being the expert. And so it's those pieces, right? So it's getting into that mindset, but owning it, like not just like, I'm going to pretend, it's actually being it. Hmm. Okay. So being playful, like my... My wife's very good about that. She's a librarian and she loves to tease. Would that be an example? Yeah, there's there's a teasing. I think the the playful combined with you're willing to lose the sale. So if we're talking about sales in particular, when you don't have an attachment to the sale, people can feel that and they want you even more. So if you're if you're a commodity that is sought after, then people want that. But when you want them, they run. Okay. So make yourself the hot commodity. An example of like, um, so how much is this? Oh, if you have to ask, I guess you can't afford it. Yes. I I would do that. (laughs) I would have people come in. They're like, you know, they come in and, and the first thing I'd say is, Hey, what can I sell you today? And they're (laughs) just like, what? Right. Cause nobody says that. And it's true. And I'm being completely playful with it, you know, and then their guard goes down, they have a laugh, and then they end up buying way too much. So <laughs> I got to the point with some people, they were like, no, I, I can't shop when you're here because I spend too much money. <laughs> What's cool now, um, what would be an example of your pulling back? Because you, you were playing with it. So what? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we get into things happen, you know, life comes along and something, you know, I don't have a a perfect day. I'm feeling a bit down or maybe somebody just, you know, found out that I was a dominatrix and then they're like, Oh, right. Like that comes in. Mm -hmm. And, and so I feel a little bit crushed. I'm, I'm not at my peak. And when I'm not at my peak, then it's harder for me to engage with that, that playfulness in, a way that is truly disconnected, truly in that space. So I'm not perfect. I'm getting better by the day, but. <laughs> you know. The interview's over. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Are you by chance an introvert? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to guess something that you are always playing a role. What, be it a dominatrix, be it a salesperson, be it a business owner, be it a coach, be it something. But you may slip off the track if you aren't quite in the mode for the role at that moment. 
that would have I would have said that was true before. Um, now what I'm doing, I'm I'm a definitely a situational extrovert. I like being an extrovert at times, but I recharge on my own. So um, yes, formerly I was always playing a role. I was always the chameleon, and now I would say that I bring who I am, and I let the people who don't like me fall away. I don't mean it as insincere, but it okay. does take energy to. Okay, open the shop. Okay, I'm ready. You want to do that. You want to be helpful and all that. But there is a certain amount of having to have the energy and kind of going at it. It could be. It's similar to sports. It's, uh, um, yeah, getting you, you got to get in the game. You got to get into the mindset. And um, I, and I just want to clarify for people listening that you know, in that, it's not about forcing yourself into that role. You no. you need to drop into it become it correct and some of it is clearing out whatever's around you yes you may in fact not be amping yourself up it may be pushing everything away and mellowing down it could be either direction yeah so there's no question on that but i'm i'm just wondering if that is definitely a big part of it another question when you're being especially playful are you reacting differently to men versus women while you are playing the different teasing roles and things like that. Yes, there is a difference. I, I find um, there's a different quality. I can actually bring a little bit more of the sexual energy flirting with men um, in that sales flirting. Just I can really tease them. And and there's a level of, you know, really making it clear that it's professional. But mm-hmm. I find that men do respond with a little bit more of that, you know, base sexual energy coming at them and like, ah, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't handle me, you know, just like to be able to have that banter. So I find that there's that level. Whereas with women, the, the flirtation is more of a, how would I describe it? It's, It's more, I would say more of a heart flirtation. So it's more about the connection and the, you know, the, how they, who they are. So there's, there is, I think there's different interactions, maybe intuitively, or maybe I'm reacting socially. I don't know. With the men, is it a push? And with the women, is it a pull? No, it's both pull. Both pull? Okay. I didn't know if with the women, it was kind of like you're bonding or teaming up versus with the men, there's more of a a back and forth. It's, uh, you know, all of it, like when you're engaging, because I talk about the sexual energy, which is the, the, the turn on to life, not about having sex with people. Oh, I understand. There's a yeah. difference. Um, you mean gendered energy, essentially, like male, female? No, different. not, what? neither. It's, it's sexual energy is not gendered. Um, so you're being turned on to life, being lit up is another way to call it. When people are lit up, that's not gender. So being, um, being in that energy, it's always about pulling the person in and, and having that magnetism. So that that compels them to come forward. The banter on the outside is is part of that pulling in because hmm. they're drawn in by the banter. Okay. okay. Now, one of the things you've expressed recently, and you mentioned it actually earlier in this conversation too, is um, frustration when people get down on the term dominatrix. Mm-hmm. 
and you've been fighting the brand a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I decided four years ago that I was, that this was a brand that I was going to go in and it really took me three years of back and forth. I was in, I was out, I was in, I was out. I, you know, I tried different terms because people would really push back on that word. And especially I found that, you know, a lot of people who have been through abuse themselves and who don't understand what kink is actually about, they are immediately kind of triggered. And so there's this pushback. And so I thought, oh, that's not what I should be doing. And then finally I realized, you know what, this is, this is who I am. This is what I want to bring in. And I need to just go for it, get like, get fully committed, right? <laughs> the, the bacon and eggs that came up in another podcast, right? I, I need to be like the pig, fully committed, the bacon. <laughs> you know? the, egg, uh, the chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. Is that exactly, what you're exactly. That's it. It's the best of that line. Um, so I need to really get committed. So about a year, just over a year ago, I was like, I really dropped in. Now, I still have moments of frustration because there are a lot of people who don't want to help me promote because I have the word dominatrix in my brand. They, you know, they don't want to rock the boat in their, their world of their people. Um, they don't want to have to explain it to people. They're not, you know, they're not comfortable and I get it. I really get it. I see their side and it's annoying because I hear probably more no's than most people, but it's it's par for the course. I mean, any business, you're going to have to overcome whatever obstacle. I mean, if you pick something mainstream, then you've got the obstacle of like you're just like everybody else. So, you know, pick your poison. Well, <laughs> in mind, you've heard, and I brought it up right in the introduction, polarization is probably the most important thing you can do. Yeah. And in a way, yes, you have a lot of people say no, but then the ones who say yes are probably twice as committed as a lot of warm maybes. Yeah. And that's what I keep bringing myself back around to. Like, you know, the, the outpouring of support as I've been um, bringing this next book out into the world that, you know, the people have just been so on board with, you know, giving me feedback, giving me information, letting me know, let me know what it is. I want to buy it. Can I get a copy yet? Like they're really very engaged. So yes, I do have strong alliances um, and and developing raving fans. So I guess that's what it's really about. It kind of is. And everybody hates a comparison, but it's always the perfect one. Nobody is on the fence about Trump. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Very few people can take him or leave him, but he's president of the freaking United States. He is. So there's something to polarizing. Yes. He has his people and hell with everybody else. And I, I think that that's sort of the case. Now, obviously, you're not going to um, go after Justin Trudeau tomorrow. Maybe, <laughs> well, maybe you will. I don't know. But it's still having a solid stance to where people know who you are probably will attract them more to you. Yeah, I think long term. So what I've been really reminding myself about with this is that I look at the brand, I look at what I'm building, and I think of it as a rocket ship, as opposed to a race car. Most people are building a race car. And that's great. You can zoom around the race racetrack and you're good. But you can easily be knocked off your track. 
But a rocket ship takes a long time to build and a long time to get it off the ground and a lot of energy and a lot of fuel and a lot of money. <laughs> but once yeah. it's in orbit, there's not much that can touch it. And there's more, one more thing of that analogy. Cool. All those fuel tanks are dropping off his baggage. Yes. So you're setting things free. So it's a matter of it, it's launching up not only the capsule, which you care about, yeah. But all this garbage behind it, you have to build in just to get it off the ground. I love it. So That's great. All right. Well, to close out, what do we have coming up, Dana? Well, we have the book launch. Woo-hoo. I'm super all excited. Right. Yeah. So this is, it's called the Inner Dominatrix Guide. So it's the first of the series and it's Become a Badass in Business. And it is currently, I'm not sure when we're releasing the show, but it is currently up for pre-sale on Kobo and Amazon. And then it will be on my website if you want a signed copy right from me. Awesome. So what date are we looking at? October 15th is the launch. October 15th. Maybe I can get this out before then. Ooh, that'd be exciting. You're working with a former guest, Laura Peterson, I think, too, right? Yes, I'm in, I'm in with her group. She's the dynamo. Another inner dominatrix. <laughs> she definitely is. She really embodies that energy. I love her. She's kick ass. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Eric. Thank you so much. Mr. Hayes's office, how may I help you? Andrea, it's Marilyn over at Kennedy Parker Construction. Hello, Marilyn. Would you like me to connect Mr. Parker to Mr. Hayes? A fish surrounded by sharks. A secretary cursed by desire and ambition. Introducing The Diarist by Donna Barrow Green. The Diarist, an addictive psychological thriller, satirical, suspenseful, and full of twists. Available on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Yes. I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings. Or if something I've said has led you to believe I think you're incompetent. It's just been so long since you've given me any encouragements or compliments on my... Andrea... I do notice you. I like that blouse on you very much. You look very pretty, just as you are right now. Oh, well, I... It's very pretty on you. Thank you. What sort of fabric is it? It's silk. It's lovely. You have excellent taste in clothes. I notice. Would you mind removing your cardigan? My sweater? Yes, so I can see the blouse in its entirety. Why? I like it very much. You see, I do notice you. You know that, don't you? I don't have to tell you I notice these things. You know when I like something, don't you? I don't know. I repeated his words in my mind. I notice you. That was it, wasn't it? I wanted someone to notice me. Not Andrea the daughter, the wife, the secretary. Not even Andrea the artist or ad girl. I wanted someone, anyone, to see me. More than anything, it was Richard. Please don't think unkind of me, dear reader. Thank mm-hmm. you.